0: We are now counting down the days to the most exciting week of the year and that is the Cheltenham Festival and our sponsors Mansion Bet have got a special Cheltenham's offer. Now that is, if you have a bet in the first race of each day and your horse finishes second, you'll still get paid out in full and that's for new and existing customers. Welcome to the Steward's Inquiry on the Winner's Enclosure and I'm pleased to be joined by Martin Dixon and it's not long now.
1: It's not, no, em this time next week, we'll all, all be getting very excited, won't we? And no doubt there'll be a bit more news to come to light over the course of the next seven days. Hopefully it's, it's not bad news. Um, we go back, rewind the clock to this time last year. And in the lead up to Cheltenham, we lost some big names, didn't we? The likes of Altior and, and Shaq and Coursois didn't end up making the festival last year when we, we expected them to. So hopefully we don't have any of that this year, Emma.
0: It's very much a case now of just keeping every horse, well, as many as possible for some of the big yards intact, isn't it? And just hoping day by day that everything stays in one place. We'll touch on a couple of, um, of, of the leading players here. That's Nicky Henderson and Paul Nichols, because their final preps uh, happened at the weekend. And Paul took quite a string off to Wincanton.
1: He did, yeah. Late last week he, he went off and, and took probably three or four Uh, lorry loads of horses to Wincanton and they all went on to the race course and just did their final pieces of strong work really and there were some videos doing the rounds on on Twitter of of those gallops at at Wincanton race course just really finalising their preparations, giving them their last uh, spins, last serious pieces of work to get them at concert pitch for the festival and as you say it's very much going to be a case from this point onwards through the next 7 to 10 days of just keeping horses cantering, keeping them af- as fresh as possible and going through the motions with, really with them. I think the hard work is done and you just hope as a trainer and connections of any horses aiming for Cheltenham now that you just don't have any little hiccups in between.
0: OK, well, let's touch on a couple of uh, of Paul Nichols's big chances of the week, because Brave Man's game is a horse that I know you're quite keen on.
1: Yeah, I really like this horse. He's he obviously taken on a couple of, of the Irish challenges. Um, we've got uh, Bob Ollinger, who's now found his way to the head of the market for the, the Ballymore, which is the race that Braveman's Game is going to run in. It's not always the case with these novice hurdlers and chasers that you know exactly where they're going to go. But we are in a fortunate position where Braveman's Game has only got this one entry. It's very much been the target for him ever since he won the shallow hurdle at Newbury late last year. And he's just been so progressive, hasn't he, Emma? He started off um, a little bit of a surprise when he won... Wing Canton and, and landed his novice for the first time and got off the mark but then he took a big jump forward next time and again then went on to the shallow hurdle at Newbury and although you could say that maybe it wasn't the deepest race this year he won it by 10 lengths and he had it won at the second last breezed clear of them and with every single start he's made huge progress brave man's game so I'm expecting him to progress again and I think he will be a big player in the balance. yes
0: as you say he can only beat what's put in front of him and he's done it pretty convincingly in his last three starts. He's certainly a horse that I know that uh, Paul's quite keen on. Another one you quite like is Hugree.
1: Yeah, Hugree's an interesting horse for, for Paul Nichols. He, he had one run for the yard. He's a juvenile hurdler. Had one run for the stable at uh, Chepstow in the early part of this year. They just got him over from France and pushed him straight into a grade one, the finale juvenile Hurdle at Chepstow. Um, and he travelled really strongly through the race. He made a bad mistake at the second last and then he blew up. But Chepstow really testing ground in the winter. It's hard work for horses up the hill as well. He hadn't long been with the stable because he'd only run in France in the middle of October. So they can't have had him for too long at that point in time when they, when they ran him in the finale and with just one run under his belt the nickel stable he's been sort of targeted at Cheltenham targeted at the handicap he's got a mark of 130 for the Boodles juvenile hurdle I think that could prove to be very lenient indeed there's just been a steady weight of support for him over the course of the last four or five weeks really um, and he's found his way towards the head of the market now for the Boodles so he'll he's another one that would have gone to Wincanton and had his final preparations there last week.
0: Well, Nicky Henderson will have a big team heading, of course, to Cheltenham. We'll start off with one of his key players, and that is, of course, Shishkin.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's actually, we, we know that he's potentially the stable star. We've got Altior, you know, he might have one last say. We'll, we'll see. We talked about him the other week. I'm not so so sure about his chance of beating Shaq and Porsoir. But Shishkin is the host that's sort of almost there already, ready to take Altior's place at the top table uh, in seasons to come. He's got an Ergamin to worry about. I think he's the right favourite for the Emma myself. I mean, his form, we touched on it last week, getting a boost with Tamarock de Matan winning at Kempton. And he's just been so impressive with everything he's done over fences all season. He's jumping from day one, from the first fence that he jumped in public, has been outstanding. And he does look as if he's going to make into an even better chaser than he was hurdler last season, when he still managed to win the Supreme Novice as a hurdler, despite, you know, as I say, maybe being a better chaser.
0: It was certainly nice to see his form boosted because some could say, well, you know, what is he beating? But um, he's certainly beaten everything that's been put in front of him and he's done it well. He looks very hard to find any faults. His jumping, slick, everything.
1: Yeah, this is it with him. What holes can you pick in him, really? He's, he's won at the track. He's won a grade one at the track as a novice hurdler last season. His jumping has been outstanding. He has clocked really fast times. He's beaten horses that have franked the form. Um, so it, on every level, when you analyse his form and you watch his videos and the way that he's gone about everything, he he is an outstanding prospect, Shishkin. Uh, it's going to be some race if ergamin lines up and gives his running because, again, you can say similar comments about him, but... My own preference is certainly for Shishkin at this moment in time and, and probably in, in some ways that is related to the fact that he was such a good novice hurdler last season and the fact that he's already done it at a festival, he's done it at the track over hurdles last year and I think those things do just tip things in his his favour.
0: Another one of Nicky's that I know you quite like is Shantree House um, who was third in last year's Supreme and has looked quite good over fences.
1: Yeah, I mean he's, he's, he's one of the... Um, not not outsiders, but slightly bigger-priced horses for the um, for the Marsh Novices chase. He's certainly been a, not not one of the first three or four in the market. I think he's as big as around 10 to 1 in some places. Others are shorter slightly. But he, as you say, he finished third in last year's Supreme Novices behind Shishkin. At that point in time, he looked like a horse that wanted to go up in trip. Now, they tried him over two and a half at Cheltenham in December, and he was a bit disappointing. I'm not sure what the problem was that day, but he's bounced back from it, so I'm willing to forgive that run, really. He went to Weatherby last month. He put up a, a really good round of jumping. He won very easily, indeed, admittedly in lesser company. But he's now won two of his three starts over fences. He's very likely raced all told. There's only twice in his life when he's been beaten, Chantry House, and one of those was last year's Supreme Novice. As I say, I'm willing to just put that run in December down to, to being a blip. And if you take everything else that he's done, he'll certainly be an each-way player uh, in the Marsh Novices.
0: And I know the jury is slightly out um, when it comes to Altior with you. I'm pretty convinced you don't think he's as good as he was. The application of cheek pieces, do you think that'll help him concentrate?
1: Yeah, it's just been interesting, hasn't it, reading uh, comments from Nicky Henderson. He was sort of edging that way towards, you know, we might consider the cheap pieces I think that's becoming likelier and likelier again the final preparations would have been put in place with Altior last week I'm sure they'll have worked him at home in the headgear just to see what sort of impact that will have had and with the vibes being pretty positive in terms of how he's been working if that indeed has come in the in the cheap pieces and they've given him a gallop in the headgear and they're sort of getting positive signs then you would expect him to line up in the champion chase with the headgear on it might, incre- it might increase his chance a little bit it, as you say I still feel that he's probably just a, a slightly waning force and if Shaq and Coursois was to turn up and produce the sort of performances he's been putting up in Ireland he'd be tremendously hard to beat
0: and looking back on the weekend it's certainly worth talking about the shunter who is now eligible for a hundred thousand pound bonus at the festival I think he's in five different races he keeps improving the horse, doesn't he
1: he really does. I mean, he's had a fabulous season. He came over for the Greatwood handicap hurdle at Cheltenham earlier on in the year. He won that, and he won that quite easily. Uh, he went back over fences then, a little bit unconventional, but went back over fences in Ireland. He ran extremely well despite uh, having a tack problem at one point in the race and then uh, rallying late on and then up at Kelso at the weekend they put up fantastic prize money, fair play to Kelso for the Moor Battle hurdle um, it was a big pot and then in addition to the big pot of prize money they're putting on a hundred grand bonus if the winner, i.e. the Shunter manages to go to the Cheltenham Festival and and win a race at the festival he's got various options the Shunter and make no mistake winning for all that the Moor Battle was very competitive winning any race at the Cheltenham Festival will be a hell of a lot more difficult than it was winning the, the Moor Battle on saturday but he is going the right way i think i'm uh, sort of the feeling like the friday races that the shunters in will be more likely just to give him an extra couple of days because obviously it's a pretty quick turnaround having one on saturday um so he's It's got the the Martin Pipe conditional riders handicap hurdle and possibly the county hurdle as options, depending on whether they want to go two or two and a half miles. But as I say, just an inkling of my own is that they'll just give him as much time as they can and perhaps waiting for the Friday for one of those two races would be the best option.
0: Mm, Yeah, I agree with you there. He had quite a tough race, didn't he, at Kelso? He, He had to work quite hard.
1: He did. I mean, two miles, although he won the Greatwood earlier on in the season, two miles is... Obviously, it's the shortest trip you can run over, but he's not just a two-miler. He won over two and a half earlier on in the year. The ground was very testing in the Greatwood. It was a strongly run race at Kelso on on Saturday that he took a little bit of time to pick up in. And I feel like, particularly if the ground is sort of good, good to soft, uh, next week at Cheltenham, it might just be that they decide to go up in trip a little bit more and bring his speed into play over a longer distance, rather than being caught out potentially by um, good ground over two miles.
0: You've touched on the fact that it was a really good card at um, at Kelso on Saturday. It certainly was. We've now got a very clear favourite for the Grand National in the shape of Cloth Cap. He was impressive, wasn't he?
1: He was fantastic, wasn't he? I mean, he he, he went up there rated one hundred and forty-seven taking on, he was giving Acer, who was runner-up in the race, he was giving him weight and Acer was rated 158 going into it. So you've got to look and if you think, okay, Acer, I'm not saying for a minute he definitively ran right up to his rating of 158 but he wouldn't have been far off running to it and Clothcap has given him weight and a beating. So essentially we're looking at Clothcap having put up a 160 plus performance in that Premier Chase at Kelso on Saturday and yet He's able to run in the Grand National because the weights are already out. He's able to run in the Grand National, unpenalised, off a mark of one four seven. So there will not be, on paper at least, a better handicapped horse that runs in this year's Grand National than Cloth Cap. He's going to have about a stone in hand of his official mark when he runs at Aintree next month. He's there at the top of his game. He's put up two really, really good uh, front running performances, bold jumping performances in both the Ladbrooks Trophy and on Saturday in the in the premier chase. And he just looks tailor-made for for Aintree as well. I mean he's not the biggest of horses, which might put some people off, but then neither is Tiger Roll. Um, mm. and he certainly jumps with real alacrity and enthusiasm. And you know the trip would be a, a minor little niggle that he's never been as far as that but then not many horses have and he does give the impression that he'll keep on galloping he certainly gave that impression at Newbury back in the autumn
0: well John Joe O'Neill knows how to train a Grand National winner and of course also Trevor Hemmings he's got a fantastic record in the race he's looking for a fourth win
1: I mean, I think everything Trevor buys is essentially uh, bought, bought for the Grand National, isn't he? He owns, seems to own hundreds of horses at any one time and all of them. Ultimately, the target would be if you can be a Grand National horse, then please get me there. Um, so I think that's the instruction to all of the trainers, you know, when they, when they first get hold of horses, cloth caps really developed. And I wouldn't, I guess, it this time last year that he'd be a grand national horse but he certainly looks it now and as I said in weights and measures terms he's a a worthy favourite I think he's around six to one in most places a little bit shorter in some but six to one looks the best price you can get for this year's national
0: I tell you what's really hotting up is the jump jockeys championship because there's not that much between the top three now this is going to be really interesting and it should run right to the line Brian Hughes, 109, um, Harry Cobden, 103, and, and um, Harry Skelton, 101. How do you think this is going to pan out? Who's got the best ammunition, do you think?
1: This is going to be a developing story, isn't it? The next six weeks or so, it, it's going to really hot up. You see how tight they've got now. Brian's been in at the top of the leaderboard for a good while now. But with Cobden and Skelton getting a bit of a sniff you know, within... Touching distance of him, and not too long until the end of the season, they find themselves in a position where they kind of have to really give it a, a big shove and a push. Um, where do I see it going? My hunch is, I do think it'll go right down to the wire. My hunch is that Harry Skelton's going to have so much ammunition with the with Dan Skelton's horses through every week every every day of the week you look at a monday tuesday wednesday right through to the weekend they've got quality but they've also got a huge amount of quantity at all levels they seem to have runners in the 0-100 handicap hurdles and chases, as well as good novices and obviously some top-class horses as well. So there's so much ammunition these days within that Skelton yard. Plenty of horses have been held back and saved for better ground in the spring as well. Um, I'd, I'd probably just favour Harry Skelton for all that he is at the moment. He's a third of, the, of those three.
0: Before we discuss this week's race in focus, just a reminder of Mansion Bet's best offer, and that is if you have a bet in the first race each day during the Cheltenham Festival and your horse finishes second, you will still get paid out as a winner, and that is to new and existing customers. This week's race in focus is the stayer's hurdle, and before you get Martin and I's views on the race, we're going to hear from Mansion Bet's ambassador, and that is the leading jockey in the championship, and that is, of course, Brian Hughes. My tip for the stairs hurdle is Paisley Park. Um, he's a previous winner of the race, although he got beaten in this race last year. Um, it's come out that he had a a, a problem after the race, so um, we can excuse him that run. And I mean, he's farm round Cheltenham. Obviously, the horse he beat the last day in time Hill will give him plenty to think about. But um, I, I I'd be still sticking with Paisley Park. I I just like everything about him. Good to hear from Brian there and. Martin, this is an open race, isn't it?
1: It really is. I mean, there's no doubt the right two horses are at the head of the market, Paisley Park and, and Time Hill. And in truth, it, it's not really surprising that there's very little between them in the market and there will divide opinion a little bit. Um, Paisley Park, winner of the race two years ago, he put up a fantastic performance that day. We all remember that last year he was disappointing, but in truth, that is his only really disappointing run through the last... Three seasons, pretty much, Paisley Park, when he, he bombed out in this race 12 months ago. It's been good to see him back uh, performing right up to his standards of a couple of years ago this season. He couldn't quite beat Pais, uh, Time Hill at Newbury earlier on in the year. But then back on a stiffer track at Ascot, he did so. And he did so despite quite a steady pace through that race. They didn't go that hard at Ascot the last time that we saw both Time Hill. And Paisley Park and probably it suited Paisley Park the least. Uh, He didn't look likely to win for a long way but he came with his typical strong finish and just got up in the shadows of the post. I think much really will depend on the tempo of the race. The stronger the gallop the more it will suit Paisley Park. The more emphasis there is on stamina whether that's ground related or pace related the better it will suit Paisley Park. So connections of of Paisley will certainly be hoping that there's a good bit of pace on. And maybe that the ground is on the soft side as well uh, on the Thursday.
0: It is extremely difficult to split the two, of, isn't it? Timehill and Paisley Park. They're one all uh, on their last two encounters. Timehill beat um, Paisley by a length and a half. That was in the long distance. And then I think there was just a neck between them last time. So I, I know when you were looking at it, you were sort of saying to me, I- I'm a bit split. <laughs> it's a difficult I- I really- race.
1: I think ultimately, my, I'm going to go Paisley Park at this stage because I feel like Cheltenham, he's done it at Cheltenham before. The stiff finish will suit him. I know Time Hill has has run extremely good races at Cheltenham himself in the past, but I think the stiff climb to the line, Newbury really suited Time Hill. It's a flat track, level track. And Paisley Park, it was first time out in his season as a nine-year-old. He possibly needed the run a little bit. And I'm not sure that that flat track Suited him in quite the same way that a stiff finish does at both Ascot and even more so at Cheltenham. Just simply because the end of his race is is his best part. It's his, when he's at his strongest, and when you've got a stiff climb to the line, it really helps a horse like Paisley Park. So I'm going to go with him at this stage, but I do feel that a lot will depend on the final makeup of the race and how much pace there is. Like I say, how many runners are there? Is there enough pace? Pace on, and it, the more pace there is, and the softer the ground is, the more I'd be in the fit in the camp of Paisley Park whereas if it was to tip the other way you know maybe come declaration time I might have a slightly different view on it but Paisley Park I mean he, you can't really knock his profile aside from that disappointing run in last year's Stayers hurdle which as I say is very much a, a one off in his profile over the last three seasons aside from that it's very hard to pick any holes in him.
0: Which of the opposition do you feel poses the main threats to the big two?
1: Um, I'd say Sire de Berle is a horse that, that would come right into the mix. If you look at his Cheltenham Festival record, he's uh, won handicaps at the meet in the last two years. So he's got a fantastic record um, at, the, at the track. And this year, obviously, they're aiming a little bit higher with him and going down the Stayers hurdle route. So I'd, I'd say that um, de Berle, given his course form, would be a, would be a player, certainly from an each-way perspective.
0: Okay, brilliant. Martin, thank you very much indeed. As always, we'll be back in the week and enjoy the week until then.